Hello, this is Stephanie from the Wapatee Coffee House, and today I have Sarah Krantz and Travis Garut joining us in on the podcasting fun. Good morning. Hello from beautiful Sawat, Colorado. I know. Aren't we lucky to live in such a gorgeous area? There is no place I'd rather be. I know. No place at all. Have to agree. Definitely. You know, when Dave and I, when we first moved here, we spent three years coming back and forth to Colorado and searching and trying to find the perfect place. And we did not know about the San Luis Valley. And as soon as we hit the valley, we knew this was where we wanted to live. How long have you guys been in the valley? You know, I've been in the valley since I graduated high school. So uh, quite a while, but I've been in Sawatch for seven years. 1938? Yeah, about then, <laughs> about then. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the white in my hair would, would indicate that it's probably been 1938. So. <laughs> the white in your hair is either your age or your job. <laughs> you I was going to say. I, I think he has a stressful job. What do you think? A little. We all have plenty of white. I've been out here for on and off for 10 years, actually. 10 years. Lived yeah. here for four years, but on and off for 10, four and a half is now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You and I moved here right around the same time. We bought our houses, what, about two weeks apart, I think? Something like Something that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been in the valley in, in Sawatch specific or? You know, I was down in the southern part of the valley by Antonito for quite a while. And then I taught at Sargent, just north of Monta Vista, for about 14 years and then have been up here. This is my seventh year in Sawatch, but I used to uh, work for BLM Forest Service out of the Sawatch field office uh, probably about 25 years ago. And I did not know you worked for BLM Forest yeah. Service. What'd you do? I was a fisheries technician. A fisheries technician? What is yeah. a fisheries technician? Well, so at the time I had a degree in marine biology. Okay. Well, which, you still have I, that which degree. Which I still have, yeah. but <laughs> I didn't have anything in education. And so I was really trying to to find some work that was related to marine biology. And that's a whole nother podcast right there is how I ended up with a degree in marine biology in the San Luis Valley. I was working for service and BLM as a fisheries technician. And so, oh. so what a, does a fisheries technician do? I did a lot of different things. I did, did a lot you of test fish or not a whole lot. I did a lot of riparian assessment, looking mm -hmm. at the wetland areas and rating their health, all of the drainages around the San Luis Valley in, uh, on BLM. I also did some macroinvertebrate surveys and stuff like that, and we actually got to do some really cool uh, fish surveys where we snorkeled. And that you was snorkeled uh, in yeah. Sawatch Creek and, and <laughs> stuck your head stuck your head under a creek bank. Yeah, that's uh, that's was, about what it was. <laughs> I was gonna say, is there any body of water around here that's more than five feet deep? No, you you lay on the bank and stick your head under and see uh -huh. what's in there. And we we did uh, some other work over by Platoro, and so. Did, did this a pertain mainly things. to trout or all different kinds of fish? All different kinds of fish. You know, I've done some electroshocking and mm -hmm. probably my most interesting uh, job I had was uh, a grouse study, Gunnison sage grouse up on oh, Poncha really? Pass. And so we would set up these transects lines and we'd walk back and forth and looking for grouse poop. <laughs> and uh, That's a thrill a minute. <laughs> you know... Uh, we used to joke that, oh, we really know our crap. This is a crappy job or whatever, and that would just keep us uh, busy. But but there's a, a species of sage grouse, the Gunnison sage grouse, which at the time was, was endangered, and it may still be, I don't know, but we would uh, do a bunch of research to see how thriving the population was. Okay, so basically you would go around the county, and you would 
stick your head, you would lie on a bank of water, stick your head in it and snorkel. And then at any given time, someone else, that same person that saw you snorkeling one week, the next week could see you on the trail and ask you what you're doing. And you tell them you're looking for grouse poop. Is this pretty what you're much, saying? Pretty much. Actually, the, <laughs> the snorkeling, we didn't do a whole lot of. We were sent down to a training uh, down in Jemez, New Mexico for that. And you know, really didn't do a whole lot of that on the forest. It was forest-wide, so uh, actually it wasn't just the county. It was all around BLM, the entire valley. Right. Okay. All right. But I, I had a, a bunch of different different duties, I guess you might say. You must know the valley very well then. I got to see some, some really nice areas of BLM. I didn't get to work as much in the forest. but. So there's so many gorgeous places in this valley, and... Obviously, that job entailed that you went to lots of different places. In your opinion, do you have any places around the valley that you think are just nice and beautiful and serene? Well, certainly Sawatch. You know, there's no no place I'd rather live than Sawatch. It truly is a, a hidden treasure. And, you know, Amy and I, Amy's my wife, we'll uh, head out of Sawatch for a while, and it just feels so good to come back to Sawatch. You pass a rattlesnake hill the lone tree that cuts and it just feels like home and the, the place I'd rather be than, than Sawatch to live. But one of my favorite places is uh, McDonough Lake. Where up, is that? Up in uh, the Sawatch Park area. And it's a little lake past Dome Lakes on the way to Gunnison. And sometimes you can get that entire lake to yourself and it's just so beautiful and uh, really enjoyable. So that's one of my favorite places to, to take the family out camping and stuff. Can you see that from 114 or how do you... Do you, you go back past Dome Lake? Or? You go past Dome Lake. Okay. And so it's on the yes. way to Lake City. Yes, and it's mm-hmm. on the right-hand side. It's probably about 10 or 15 miles back in there. It is, it is. Dave and I went there. Oh, It is spectacular. It is gorgeous, yes. And they have these uh, tiger trout there, which mm-hmm. are, re- are really Aren't cool. They it's, a, it's like looking? a hybrid between a... I think a brown trout and a brook trout or something like that. And a really, really really interesting trout, a tiger trout. Tiger trout. You know, I don't think Dave knows that because we've only been back there once and he didn't catch anything that day. So, wow, that would be cool. Yeah, you catch rainbows there, uh, a lot of uh, brook trout in the little bays. And then above and below the lake, I've uh, caught some tiger trout. So, are there any cool trails back in there? I know the one around the lake, but when you get back in there, any cool trails? You know, not that I've found, but I've heard that there's some uh, pretty uh, rugged trails up to San Luis Peak. It's one of the the hardest to get to, 14ers Mm -hmm. around. Maybe not from there, but from that general area. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's on my list of 14ers to do. That was the one we looked at that you had to pretty much go back umpteen miles to get just even to the trails to start. Yes, yeah, yeah th- that's why I haven't given it that much attention. Because... Well, you can guarantee I'm not giving it any attention. <laughs> that's one that I got to take the Polaris back to, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. So. I think it's probably the most remote 14er out there. So It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, not a lot of folks do it. Very inaccessible. Yes. Yeah. Is that on National Forest? I believe so. So it's closed right now. I can't go, can I? I think you can go climb it. I think you just can't start a fire. Well, okay. Well, that's hard to do with all that snow around right now. (laughs) A a lot of the roads are closed right now up on Forest Service. But if you're a hiker, you know, what's 20, 30 miles for you, Stephanie? Oh, goodness. Well, 
Add it to the list. Just add it to the list. Well, you know, honestly, I, I don't want to do any 14ers right now. If I can see white, I don't want to do them. Being at cotton and avalanche is terrifying to me. So I just wait until July, September. Do you folks think things are going to be open in July, September? Hopefully. And August. I don't think businesses, maybe. But I think for service and stuff, you know, I think you can go out and take your family, go camping, stuff like that. And hopefully if we get some moisture, maybe even have a campfire. But I see the social distancing thing continuing for a while, but nobody seems to know. I know. It's. I was watching a movie last night, and there was a scene where two people that hadn't seen each other for a while were having coffee in a coffee shop, and there were all these folks around. Things are going to be different. I think we're going to, like you said, the social distancing is going to maintain. Yeah. We're, just, we're very lucky being here. We are, um, yes. Just because we have the ability to get out and go somewhere that is open, that is social distancing without anybody around. Right. Which is wonderful. What about you guys? Earlier this week, I saw a group of guys in their 20s. There must have been five or six of them. They were obviously not from the area, and they were walking around town, and they asked me if we were open. I mean, does it make you nervous when you see travelers come into town in groups that big? And are you guys still a little bit leery? I Personally, I think anyone that's not masked makes me nervous, but I'm a lot older than all of you. So, yeah. I mean, that does make a difference. I, I'm right. more vulnerable and I have to watch my family life as well, you know, for vulnerability. Right. But I think that anytime I see people that aren't at least practicing or semi-practicing the distancing thing... I get uncomfortable. Do you, Travis? You know, something you said, you said that anytime you see someone not wearing a mask, you get nervous. Mm -hmm. It used to be when I'd see someone wearing a mask, I would get (laughs) kind of nervous. So things have just been flipped over on their heads. And, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think that makes me nervous so much, but I definitely want to do my part to prevent the spread. and, And, you know, I want our community to be safe. And you can never be too careful. I felt absolutely awful the other day. Sarah and I had gone out hiking, and Dave went with us, which that's a whole other experience (laughs) within itself. It's a whole podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So he went with us, and we were driving back, and he's like, go check the mail. So I went in. I was in a hurry, and I ran in to check the mail, and I forgot to put my mask on. And there wasn't anyone in the post office. There were a few people outside talking over by their car. But there wasn't anyone in the office. And as I was coming out, I see Sarah's husband, Smalley, getting ready to walk in. And he's like, where's your mask? The mask that Sarah made for me. <laughs> he's, he's a conformist, that's for sure. Oh, He'll yeah. Wear that mask. <laughs> and I felt so awful. And then I get home and he had sent me a, a text. You need to wear your mask. 15 exclamation points. I haven't responded. I wouldn't. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. It's, you know, I think that we're all living in in an age where there's just this uncertainty. But I think that one thing that um, brings me comfort is that knowing that we're all in this together, you know, everyone is experiencing this. I, we closed our coffee shop a week before other people closed. And so I'm sort of like a week ahead of everybody else as far as what I'm dealing with. This week has definitely been the week for anxiety. I I agree. 
I think it's getting tougher and tougher as time goes by. You know, we're humans. We're hardwired for connection, and we're not getting that human connection. You know, and a Zoom conference or a phone call, that just doesn't take the place of sitting down with someone you care about and just enjoying time together. And so I've, I've noticed with staff and students and, you know, as this COVID-19 continues, first couple of weeks, I think we were all pumped with adrenaline and like, we're going to do this, we're going to make this happen. And we are, but I think it's getting tougher and tougher on everyone. You know, I think we're missing that human connection piece. What are you seeing from the students? Are you, Do you have any connection with the students right now? I do have connections with the students. You know, I, I see quite a few students around town and talk to them. I've gone out on some deliveries to deliver uh, learning materials, Chromebooks, food, stuff like that. And I had a Zoom conference just yesterday with the seniors to uh, figure out what we're going to be doing for graduation with the social distancing requirements and uh orders from the governor and Swatch County Public Health. So what's, yeah. going, to, what's going to happen? We're, inquiring minds want to know. Well, uh, or are you at liberty to tell us? Uh, <laughs> yes. I can kind of tell you the plan that they're hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the seniors that originally wanted a ceremony in the gym, they're the first class to graduate from the new school. And so, you know, I think it's important to them. However, the public health department orders, you know, do not allow for that. So plan B was some type of graduation ceremony in the parking lot. So right now we're looking at almost like a homecoming parade where the graduates parade through town, maybe on the hood of a car in their cap and gown or in the back of a truck, and everyone parks along Main Street and Pitkin and down second into the school and just honks and waves, and then they pull up and hop out of their car, and we say a few things about them and tell them how much we love them, and then they jump in their car and take off, and then the next graduate will come come through in their car. So that's that's kind of what we are, are planning, and that seems to be the preference of most of the senior class. Of course, everyone has something a little different they would prefer. We have a meeting on Monday with Sawatch County Public Health to you know show them the proposal and see if we can get the green light on that, and, and they want to have it on May 16th as planned so coming up coming up really soon really quickly really need to have a quick turnaround on what's this going to look like and so we need approval from Sawatch County Public Health and we'll be working on that Monday wonderful nice I'm glad to hear that you are moving forward and trying to come up with something trying to make the best of a not so good situation yeah you know that's been a huge challenge for schools across Colorado across the nation and I meet with the superintendents every week and, you know, some people are putting it off until June, July, August because they want an in-person ceremony. Others are doing drive through down in Monta Vista, kind of a, a virtual ceremony that people sit in their cars and watch on the drive-in screen. Did I say drive through mm-hmm. That's okay. You can do it at the drive-in. A drive through yeah. diploma. Yeah, yeah. It's a drive-in. So, so some schools are doing a drive-in graduation. Others are doing virtual and... Some are just going to wait, wait it out until... I like the idea of being in town. Um, you know, the big problem is going to be keeping people in their cars, but that's their issue to stay socially apart enough. But I right. think that would be really good for them. How many seniors do we have this year? You know, we have uh, 11. 11. Ooh, so, uh, wow. you know, decent-sized class for us. We're, most of our classes are right around you know, 10. And so mm-hmm. I, I hope we can create a special event for them because they, they certainly deserve it. And this class happens to be my first class that I taught as sixth graders when I was a teacher of Mountain Valley. Oh, wow. 
And then I was principal the following year, so they're also my last class. So <laughs> first and so last. So the class of 2020 has a really special place in my in my heart. All the kids do, but 2020, I was their teacher in sixth grade. That's so. wonderful, right? What What do you feel like the general overall feeling is with the students? Are they anxious? Are they nervous? Or are they just taking this in stride? You know, I think everybody's doing the best they can, but I, I think we all miss each other tremendously. You it's know, amazing the, how this has taught us about the yeah. need of human contact. My favorite part of the day was high-fiving the kids in the morning, hopping on the bus at the end of the day, telling them goodbye. You know, that mm-hmm. was... So many students have mentioned that, Travis, by the way. They love it, too. Probably just as much or more than what you do. I I was joking the other day that my hands are getting all baby soft because my high-five calluses have (laughs) have gone away. Now I have to high-five myself in the morning just to keep my uh, hands in shape. But, you know, I really miss the kids, and I miss visiting with staff members. And I I know the staff members feel the same way, Mm -hmm. and I know the kids miss their teachers. And it's just really hard times, you know. Because we do need that it connection. It becomes a family. I mean, school is a family. There's no doubt oh, about it. Oh, it really is. Especially a, a tiny school like the mm-hmm. one we have. What is Mountain Valley currently doing to ensure that the students are getting some sort of education right now? You know, uh, around spring break, I realized that we we probably needed to shut school down. And so the week of spring break, we made the announcement that we were closing school to in-person learning about three or four hours before the governor told us that we had to. And so, uh, you know, uh, when I thought about what does this look like, what do, the, what do these uncertain times look like, no one really knows, but I wanted to have some guiding principles to guide us in our, uh, our, our mission of, of getting through COVID-19 together. And so, you know, I started out with our, our school district mission, which is Mountain Valley School strives to provide a welcoming, safe, and inclusive community while building relationships and supporting lifelong learning. So that was kind of the umbrella. You know, we're going to continue relationships and we're going to support learning. And under that umbrella were guiding principles. And number one was we will continue to support each other as well as our students, families, and community. So we're going to continue that. The next one was we will continue to provide free and equitable learning opportunities to our students and families. And then we will continue to provide nutrition services to our families. And the next one was we will continue to provide opportunities for our certified and classified staff to participate in meaningful work that supports learning in our school community. So it's really important to make sure everyone had a job. Everyone continued to support learning in some meaningful way. And the next one is is real important. As a school community, Mountain Valley employees will provide positive and loyal leadership in our community through our teamwork, communication, flexibility, and problem-solving capabilities. Our actions will be seen by our parents, students, and community members. As educators, and that's everybody, you know, bus drivers, food service, paraprofessionals, custodians, teachers, we're all educators. We are all leaders, and we will make a difference in the culture of our community during this time. Our leadership and difference that we make will be positive and uplifting to our community. And the final one was we will be flexible, kind, and solution-oriented as we navigate these uncertain times. And so on the day that I closed school to in-person learning, I sent out to staff a little bit before that message went out to the students and the the parents that that these are going to guide us through these times. And Our staff has just had basically one day to prepare for remote learning 
online learning, nutrition services, grab and go, delivery to homes and stuff like that. And they have really stepped up and I couldn't be more proud of them. You know, I'm, I'm really proud to be part of the Mountain Valley team and they've followed these guiding principles and, and I think really stepped up to the plate. So to answer your question, that was kind of a long answer, but, <laughs> but that's really what's guided us this whole time are the guiding principles on our school mission. You know, we have been providing, um, paper-based packets or online. We're trying to shift to more and more online learning materials for all of our students. We did have about 15 families that did not have adequate internet access, so we partnered with Cielo, um, San Luis Valley Rural Electric Cooperative's internet service, and they hooked up our families. No equipment fees, no installation fees. They waived the contract obligations and Mountain Valley School is paying for the internet through the year. Wow, the that is fantastic. The, the re- remainder of the school year. I have to commend you. I think that Mountain Valley was so far ahead of the curve. I grant you it's a smaller school, but I know of schools in other states that still aren't online. They And they're in big cities, and they still don't have the accessibility to continue the education that we had because you were way ahead of the curve. Way well, ahead. I can't take the credit for that. That's the staff. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing staff that really stepped up and stepped up and said, you know, yes, we can. We can make this happen for our kids. And they did. And, you know, I couldn't be more proud of them. And Principal Kathy Hill, she has really been, been the quarterback of all this, making sure the kids get learning materials, making sure that, you know, kids are provided with um, some nutritious meals, have actually been delivering meals to student homes and having grab-and-go locations here in Sawatch and out at the KV Clubhouse. And our food service director, Julie Leathers, has really stepped up and, and made that happen four days a week so that students are getting a nutritious, free breakfast and lunch. Not just our students, but any kids, 0 to 18. And so so I'm really happy that, that she's on our team as well. And AmeriCorps members have really stepped up and been helping out with meals and stuff like that. And AmeriCorps is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I just can't brag enough about our, our entire staff. They've they've made this possible. And so I don't want to take that credit. The credit is, is takes across leadership. the district. So. It takes leadership. And yes. You've been there. And I've just been incredibly impressed with just how much came on so quickly. We didn't have three- and four-week lag times like many other places have had. And so I give you all the credit in the world, Travis. Well, there was a high-level plan, but then everybody else put it on the ground, took it to the kids. It's a team. Definitely a family. Yeah, it's amazing how the teachers that I have talked to, they've been very positive. One of their biggest concerns was getting food to the students, and I'm glad that you guys have implemented something to get food out there to the students that need it. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud that we were able to deliver two the individual households for those families that need that and and again have grab and go locations at the school and at the KV and I kind of have an interesting story I was out at the KV and we were distributing meals early on and one of the kids who hadn't seen us in a couple of weeks he just jumped out of the car and he ran up to give us all a hug and oh we just couldn't we were wow. like oh we love you we love you we want to hug you but we but we can't and then he just looks so heartbroken <laughs> and, oh, and, I, and i think it just broke my heart because i you know i love all those kids and i just wanted to say i miss you right which i did but i i did it from six feet away yeah and and that doesn't feel very good so travis you have all this off time and i put off in quotes because i know that you're probably <laughs> working more than you were before i don't know yeah um 
has it given you an opportunity to get things done that you normally wouldn't have time to do during a typical school day? You know what? Uh, it's interesting. The off time, I thought I'd have some some time to to do some some other things, and it's just been busier than a normal a normal school day almost. And I spend a lot of time on conference calls, on video calls with commissioner of education, the governor as well. You know, uh, communicates with the superintendents quite frequently. I'm on the Colorado Rural Schools Alliance Board, and also the Colorado Superintendents and Senior Administrators Board. And so I have a lot of these these meetings where everyone's trying to figure out what's next, but nobody knows. You know, nobody knows when we will be able to get back to in-person instruction as normal. The governor's told us, you know to expect and plan for at least some type of social distancing return in the fall, if not entirely remote. And on top of that is the budget impact of all this. You know, we are we're experiencing some really hard times financially as a state. And so I'm I'm quite often in meetings where I hear that the state's gonna need to cut one billion, three billion, six billion dollars from the budget and education K-12 education is 36% of that. You know, we're being told, look at 10% budget cuts, 20% budget cuts, and for a district our size, that's about $250,000 to $500,000. And 90% of our, our costs are in, uh, in salaries and benefits. Right. So how do, how, do we make, how do we make that happen? And fortunately, we have a pretty healthy fund balance where we can make some changes and get by for, for a couple hard years. But there are districts out there that are that are hurting and don't have any reserves to dip into. Right. Well, you're saving money on electric bill, right? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm trying still... to think of something positive. <laughs> we still have to. You still have to put the lights. Still the have to pow- and... power that building, you know. Yeah. And we're employing, you know, our bus drivers are delivering meals and our food services. They're cooking up every day, and our teachers are working. Paraprofessionals, custodians, everybody's working, you know. So I, I don't think we're saving a whole lot of money but i think connecting with our families and, and our kids in our community and so so i guess not a whole lot of free time or off time i've been able to update some policies and stuff like that but that's not a part of my day i enjoy as much as high-fiving kids what yeah. challenges are you hearing from the parents how are they doing with semi-homeschooling you know i think some of the parents are really enjoying the time with their kids and others are like i'm not i'm not uh prepared to be I'm not prepared to be a teacher you know I I want the school to open back up and I think other parents you know are struggling with technology and stuff like that but everyone's doing the best they can and so so I think there's a range of of feelings from I enjoy this family time to I would really enjoy it if the school would open up (laughs) I'm probably one of those I would enjoy some better connectivity but I but we're all doing the best we can and I'm, I'm really proud of you know, our staff and our students and our community, I think everyone has really rallied around each other during all this. And so you were talking about, you thought that you would have other things that you could do that you don't normally have time to do. So what is your passion? What do you do in your spare time? What uh, Can we get to know the personal Travis here? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, there's probably nothing more important to me than, than my family. 
kind of fun to do some work from home and to be able to really get up in the hills. You know, if I can if I can drive up in the hills and like I mentioned earlier, so watch is a hidden treasure in five minutes from town. You know, you can be on public lands and we like treasure hunting. I'll just walk around and find the coolest rocks and just just enjoy ourselves. And when I'm I'm walking around there, you know, just looking, trying to see if I can find something interesting. I don't even think about school or I don't think about COVID or I don't think about budget problems. And that's really been saving grace for me is just the ability to get outdoors. I understand that. So we're all married and we all have spouses. Has it been challenging for you two to be? (laughs) (laughs) Am I going through this alone? (laughs) I've been lucky because my husband and I are both retired. So moving out here was the adjustment. So we've had basically four years of being really close to one another. (laughs) And, but other than that, COVID has been a very, it's, we're even, Closer, I guess. Um, closer, yeah. Well, not necessarily closer, but it's, we're together even more. Right. And there are times I find myself saying, I've got to get out of this house. And that's when you call me or <laughs> yeah, you send me a text. Let's and go I, hike. Yes, we're very, Sarah and I are very in tune with each other. <laughs> and every once in a while, I'll get this cryptic text. What are you doing? Which means, <laughs> help, get me out of here, give me an excuse. How are you doing? I mean... You know, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I have to do is open up all the windows. I have to Why? get some nat. Yeah, I have to mm-hmm. get some natural light. And oh, then, I do that absolutely. And then get out of the house as soon as I can. You know, if I sit around in my pajamas or whatever, I just I don't feel well. I kind of right. feel just kind of blah. And so, that's really helped me. You know, is is getting up in the morning. You know, I've been uh, doing a little bit of a Bible study in the morning and just kind of meditating, and and then go to work. It's it's been helpful and. But Amy and I have certainly had to work on our patience with each other. And <laughs> through, through all of this, it's challenging. You know, it's, it's not just that we're together more. It's that we're more stressed mm-hmm. because of all this. I think our entire community and state and you know, nation is just stressed because of this. So uh, stress can bring out your, your best qualities and it can bring out your worst qualities. Definitely my worst. <laughs> yeah, it's really surprising because Dave and I are getting along better being stuck together than when we both have our separate schedules and he's off fishing and I'm off working the coffee shop. We're actually doing really well. We we had a, a huge argument a couple weeks ago where I had to leave. I was crying. <laughs> I had to leave and I got my car and I drove and I come back and he looks at me and he's like, he just sort of makes this announcement. Well, I think that's pretty darn good. We've gone four weeks living together all the time with no arguments. And he was very proud of it where yeah. I felt awful about it. <laughs> Couples are coming together. I, I have found that, when, especially this week with my anxiety, he is that person that calms me down and that says, hey, it's okay. We're not dying here. It's okay. Just... Relax, woman. You know, I think anxiety during these times can can be really stressful because when I get anxiety, it feels like there's a 45-pound plate on oh, my thank chest. thank God. I yes. thought I was the only one. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm having trouble breathing. Yes. And then I'm like, shortness of breath. Oh, my gosh. And then I get even more stressed. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think people are more in tune to their bodies and you, you feel something and you're like, oh, is this a, a symptom? 
Well, and the panic yes. sets in. I know yeah. I hit panic at 4 a.m. Don't ask me why. Oh. If, if I can sleep through 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm so happy. But at right. 4 o'clock in the morning, I wake up and all these thoughts go rolling through my head. Yes. And, of course, I kick Smalley to tell him about him, <laughs> and he's like, huh? You know? So that's the end of that conversation. Right, right. I like to say it's like a one of those rubber bouncy balls. Right. In mm-hmm. my brain, just going, bing, 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 and oh. you can't stop it from bouncing around in there. And sometimes I'll just turn ideas and oh. over and over in my head. And, you know, I, I think if you can spend your time in your circle of influence, things you can actually change, spend your time and energy there instead of outside of your circle of influence, you know, you're just wasting that time and energy worrying about things that you can't change. So right. I really try to focus on worrying about things that I do have control over. So so what's your vent from the stress? What do you do when you start to feel that anxiety? What do you do to sort of help with that? You know, I think, uh, like I said earlier, I like to go outdoors. I like to, uh, I just had knee surgery and I'm trying to get back into running. Ran my first three miles the other day and nice. felt good on the knee, but didn't feel so good on, uh, on the lungs there, but <laughs> we'll get back into shape. So I try to stay active and, and do something that takes my mind off of, off of things that, you know, stress me out. Right. What do you do, Sarah? I don't know. <laughs> you, don't know. you call me is what you do. At this point, I really don't know. <laughs> there, I mean, I try to, when I call, it's usually to go hike and right. get out. That does help. Pretty much that. Uh, I'm a little tired of cooking. I can right. tell you that right now. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'd love to just go out to dinner and have somebody serve me. Um, yes, yeah. But that's kind of my out is to je- definitely go and get outside. I think everybody's out is to get outside. I know for two weeks of this whole shutdown, I was stuck in Nashville with my daughter in a seventh floor condo without a balcony, windows oh. only. Oh, my gosh. And you couldn't get out. I mean, Nashville right. was, at that time was way worse than us and it's overcast and, and rainy there a oh, lot. all the time all the yeah. time i thought i was going to lose my mind finally you know it was like i've got to get pounds and i never thought i'd be saying that kind of thing right you, but it definitely was i definitely need to retreat i've got to go somewhere where i can sit outside i can breathe the air i can mm-hmm. see the sun yeah so yeah it's outside for me outside. definitely I have to, when I get the anxiety attacks, I have to go for a hike, but not just any hike. I actually, I got to go for a bushwhack, and it has to be (laughs) uphill, and I have to completely wear myself out, and I can't come off the trail until that sun has dipped below that horizon line. And it's probably the same feeling with you. You go out for a run or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just releasing. It's like a pent-up energy or something that's happening. That's how I deal with it. My poor neighbor, I was having an anxiety attack the other day. I call her, hey, you want to go hiking? She did not know what she was in for. Yeah. <laughs> Six hours later. <laughs> now, now, Stephanie, what, what is a, a bushwhack? I thought maybe I had taught you that word. Did I teach you that word? No, you did not teach me that word. That was the word that you asked me, what is a bushwhack? And you know, okay, your definition of a bushwhack is not the same as my Kentucky Forest definition. I thought you said something like it was going golfing or something. When you, <laughs> you, called it, you called it a golf. What was that that you called no, it? No, that wasn't me. I think you have this backwards bushwhacking. 
Bushwhacking is heavy duty trees, down trees everywhere, weeds everywhere. If you do not have three or four scrapes on your body by the time you get back to your vehicle, that's not a bushwhack. No trail. You have no to trail. whack the bushes away. That's a bushwhack. That's a bushwhack. She's yes. tried to kill me a couple of times. Yes, yes. Yeah. So doing she, it definitely. <laughs> she was, yeah, Sarah has learned that she asked exactly. What trail we're going on? Is it actually a trail and an actual mileage? Well, the, that's the true mileage. Because Stephanie's the one that says to you every five seconds as you're trying to catch your breath, oh, we're just going to go around this corner. And then you get around that corner. Well, wait, let's make it to that area right there. I know what's coming, although she may have never been on the trail. She goes, there's going to be a really nice meadow right there, and we'll stop there. And you go for another two miles listening to that <laughs> and you, you hope yeah <laughs> well i was doing that to virginia i felt so awful because of what i did to virginia the other day I and mean, we were lost okay and we were cliffed out we were lost and i'm trying to be optimistic and and i and i said to her i said i think i see the tops of the trees so we're, we're going to be hitting the ridge line soon and I must have said that five times. And you could just tell she was getting quieter and quieter and quieter. <laughs> and Virginia is someone that does not get mad. So I could I could see that she was just being polite. But needless to say, I think that she was really happy when we got back to the car. You think? Well, as you uh, are out and about at the lower elevations, keep your eyes open. We kicked up a rattlesnake the other day. Did you? A couple miles out of town and... Kind of like that prairie dog country. There are quite a few prairie dogs around there, and I think the snakes are waking up, and they're hungry, and they're looking for some. We were talking about that yeah. the other day when we went out, that it's definitely getting to be snake time. They're out, for sure. Yeah, mm. and I haven't gotten my dog rattlesnake vaccination. Do yours have theirs yet? We do every year. Not this year yet, though, but every year we get the vaccination. We have a couple of Springer Spaniels, and they just love to run back and forth trying to flush out birds, and sooner or later... No, I figure they're going to kick up a rattlesnake. and Right. I would rather be safe than sorry. How's the track coming? That is one of my questions. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. How I, exciting. I think, I think it's amazing. The views are just oh. really, really opening up. And so the football field, they're putting topsoil on it now. The sprinkler mm -hmm. system's already in place. In? The track curbs, inner and outer curbs, have poured they're still waiting on the finishing up couple of sections so they can get vehicles in and out of there without having to drive over the track curb and by the end of uh next month may we should have sod in there on the field we're doing a memorial at the end of fourth street that'll have the abeda and the corky coleman memorial and mm -hmm. a nice uh beautiful spruce tree and flagpole that's lit up 24 7 and it's coming along well and by the end of july we should be finished so Nice. So it's right. It's coming right along. Is it on schedule? It seems on like on schedule. It's what on are they, schedule. What are they doing on the very south side of it, between the bus barn and the garden? On the south side, we're putting in a press box. So oh, okay. It'll, it'll be a two-story press box with mm -hmm. storage underneath, and then on top, of course, you will uh, announce the game and stuff like that. And then on top of that, there's a filming platform at the very, very top of the press and box. They pulled out these huge concrete pilings, yes, two days ago. They obviously. did. Obviously. What were they? That was the press box foundation. Oh. I was, actually, I was walking over there, and the press box foundation was too close to the track. Oh. 
and it's a okay. two-story press box. I said, this isn't going to work. We're going to be trying to look at the end zone when you're at the upper end of the bleachers, and you're going to be looking at a press box. Mm-hmm. So we've got to fix this. So we had a, had a meeting, and we they had to pull out part of that foundation and re-pour the press box foundation a little further to the south so that there's plenty of room when you're sitting in the bleachers mm-hmm. to see all directions. So that's oh, what that's that was nice all about. So. so the... Um the north side of the field, the the uh, bleachers that are there are going to be the guest bleachers. Guest bleachers will be on the north, north side. They're going to get a little more uh, sun in their eyes. That's a little unfortunate <laughs> for those guests. But <laughs> that's where the visitor bleachers will be. Good. Nice. Good. So a press box, you know what this means, Sarah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it means that we're going to be able to live stream the games. Ooh, that sounds good. Could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't that be really fun? Stephanie, do you know the calls? Do you know the That's things on That's what Travis football? is for. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yeah, that'll be good. I think it yes. would be exciting. That it would really, be really would be exciting. Yeah. yeah. I love so listening how many, to games on the radio. How many home games are technically scheduled for this fall? I think we usually have about five, ah. you know, about five home games. So we're we're hoping, you know, that we can start up with sports as normal. Mm. And know. what's the composition of the track? It's a crushed granite or a... It's going to be crusher fines with a binding agent. Oh, so, so it's going to be a so it'll solid... it'll be an organic, organic mm-hmm. material. It won't be asphalt or mm-hmm. a, a rubberized track. It's uh-huh. going to be crusher fines. And I heard that there's an exercise, a workout place... That's- there is along the track, and there's also going to be a sidewalk around the entire campus that there are 20 fitness stations. 20? 20. What, so, what, what is a fitness station? Uh, a spot where you can walk along. You've probably seen them at the parks in the city where you might could do a, there's a push-up station, a pull-up station, a planking station, different different things like that. Oh, we know that's not happening. <laughs> so, I might do it. Well, not me. <laughs> so three different areas around the track, there will be stations, 20, mm-hmm. 20 total, in three areas where you can walk around and then do different activities and exercises as you walk around the track. Also, the playground is a multi-generational playground, so it not only has equipment for kids, we've got some parent-toddler swings where they can swing together. We just installed a stair-stepper type and a leg press for for adults as well. So we really want to encourage, once our playground opens up again, Right. You know, mm-hmm. for the community to come come use it. And, and uh, I think it'll be a nice recreation area for, for everyone, not just students. Are we going to have a grand opening for the track, if possible? Well, I haven't thought about that, but I'll have to give that some thought. Oh, let's think about oh, this. Oh, I know that Let's Dave's do a 5K are... and it ends there. There you go. And, uh, and, Dave was talking and about. I, I think Sarah could be the pacer. Oh, you sure. could be the pacer for the 5K. <laughs> well, MBS at least we know that anyone that's a slow, slow person can make it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know there were a lot of people that we were talking you know, about going out and doing the first mile on the track when it's done. And that's right. a good idea. I mean, it really could be. Is there anything that we could do to maybe encourage people to log their miles or to keep track of what they do? Because it could be kind of neat to know, oh, you know, yeah. hey, I have 40 miles in on that track. Right. Or you know, kind I've, of heard, thing. I've heard about schools that with the students, they have like the running club. And mm-hmm. as you complete so many miles, and they usually do it before school or after school, something mm-hmm. like that, you can invite your parents to come in and do it. You could have community do it. And you, you give them a necklace with beads on it. 
and one of the beads would be like a, a 5k mm-hmm. right and then as they complete a half marathon they get you know, 13.1 yeah. full marathon 26.2k and then you could go on and on and kind of have these races that you do at your own pace and you get some kind of beat. So oh, it would be wonderful we if we could include the community in that. You know, oh, the, yeah. even if there was just a big board that you hung them on. I mean, I, around here, I think we're pretty safe. Yeah. Or if somebody could just put like, it up there until then. Have like right. a leaderboard. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be really neat. I can't, well, from what I hear around town from people talking, they, they're so excited about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are. Yeah. Everybody that I know is saying I know. how wonderful I plan it on is. using it, yeah. It's it's nice, especially because we do have rattlesnakes out on the trails. Mm-hmm. It enables us a place to go where we can exercise and walk without worrying too much about the rattlesnakes. I mean, or, I don't or dogs or, or dogs. cars. There's, you know, yeah. just a real safe, well lit place to exercise and get out and about. Sounds wonderful. I know. I'll <laughs> be here soon. Did you want to add anything else today, Travis? I can just add one. One interesting fact that my very, very first day in education was here at Mountain Valley School. Mm-hmm. And so I was a substitute teacher, and my very first day substituting was at Mountain Valley School in Jerry Trujillo's third grade classroom. And really? Principal Patricia Hillis, she walked me down the hall, opened the door, and she said, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and look what it's brought and, you. And, you know, I enjoyed those kids, and I think it was my calling. And so, you know, here I am. You know, 20, 21 years later, and I, I started my career in Mountain Valley, and I hope to finish it here. So Nice. I think we hope you finish it here, too. Well, I think what you've done for us has been wonderful. There's no place I'd rather be. Thank well, you. good. Thank Yay. you. Well, I think that we're getting ready to wrap it up here. Sarah, do you have anything to add? I think uh, we've covered it. I've enjoyed it, Travis. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, you're a pretty good talker. <laughs> I don't we need know about to that. we need to have you co-hosting for some of our interviews. We have some interesting interviews coming up. We have a a writer, mm-hmm. restaurant owner, the town. We're going to be talking to the town. That's going to be really exciting. There's been some good feedback, and and people are actually contacting me. Well, let me know. I'd love to help out. Well, well wonderful, wonderful. Thank you very much for joining us on this podcast today. And we are over and out. <laughs>